Has life ever thrown you a curveball that you weren't sure what to do with? You know, the kind where you think, someone should really do something about this. Have you ever thought, maybe that someone is me? And then found yourself on a grand adventure you never saw coming? Me too. As a special needs mom, I have been saddened by what's available to my son. But instead of wallowing in it, I decided to do something about it. Along the way, I'm meeting extraordinary people and having the most wonderful experiences I never thought I'd have. I'm so inspired by what's happening around me that I want to share it all with you. Living Your Legacy is a community where ordinary people who have been called to create something bigger than themselves can come together to be inspired, connect, learn, and live into the legacies they want to see in the world. I'm your host, Michelle Slaney Travato, and this is the Living Your Legacy Podcast. Welcome, everyone, to the Living Your Legacy Podcast. Michelle Slaney Travato here. I am so excited to be able to introduce you to yet another extraordinary human today. I adore that in this podcast, I have the opportunity to chat with and share with you guys the most extraordinary people. They're average, ordinary human beings that you might run into in the grocery store, but they're doing these really cool things to create a legacy for themselves and often for others. Today's guest is absolutely no exception to that. So today I'd like to introduce you to my newest bestie. She's my dear friend, Rebecca Lara. We live in two separate countries. We've met virtually and truthfully, she owns a big piece of my heart. So let me tell you a little bit about her, and then we'll welcome her to the show. Rebecca is a certified life coach and creator of the Time to Thrive program, where she helps mom entrepreneurs build their business while working less. Now, if that doesn't intrigue you right there, I don't know what else will, so that they can be a caregiver without giving up on their dreams. And wow, that just, for me, that touched such a part of my life. With two businesses and three young daughters with multiple health challenges, Rebecca has streamlined her own business systems, managing it all without the overwhelm, and is passionate about helping other mom entrepreneurs calm the chaos too. Now you guys know why she owns a piece of my heart. Welcome to the podcast, Rebecca. So glad to have you. Thank you for having me. So Rebecca, that... Your intro there just completely is my life. I have two boys, one of whom has significant challenges in his life. And yet here I am trying to run a business and, you know, I completely get the chaos. I completely get the feeling of having to choose one versus the other and all those other things. And I want to talk to you about, I mean, I want your secret sauce. I want to know how you do all of those things. Being a parent to three, three, you know, I am not worthy right there. Three, you are vastly outnumbered in your house, but also managing all those extra things that come with kids that have multiple health challenges and still driving a successful business. So let's talk a little about how you got there. I mean, the reality is when you are in grade four and the teacher asks what you want to be when you grow up. Um, a special needs parent, definitely not one of the things that's on the list, and a certified life coach. Don't even know if most kids would know what that is. So what's the journey that got you there? Yeah, that's a great question. And you're absolutely right. That was This was never on my radar. Um, back when I was younger, I always wanted to be an architect because I was good at math and I liked art. So it seemed like a good combination. And my parents said it was. And so that's what I went with. <laughs> Um, but along the way, uh, life changed, right? So I met my husband in college. We were both in the same major and we pursued that journey together for quite a while. And when I realized we wanted to have a family, being an architect meant you worked a lot and you worked really long hours. Um, in college, you would stay up all night working and you had to give your whole life over to it. And so that was like the first like little like whatever light bulb or, or nudge I got was like, this, this isn't for me. Um, this is not, I don't want to give my life to this profession. So I went back to school 
to become a math teacher because again, I liked math and um, it made sense. And I was like, oh, I can have a family and be on the summer schedule with my kids and it should all be rainbows and sunshine. <laughs> um, but uh, as you know, life continues to throw us all curveballs. So when we did start a family and our children were born very close in age, I have three kids within four years. and. Um, and then we realized they all had health challenges and working a nine to five job while supporting them and being a caregiver and trying to navigate the whole like health system and getting diagnoses and figuring out what the heck was going on. It was just impossible to do it all, um, even as a teacher, because although teachers like a lot of people think we don't work that hard, it's like, no, we work all night. We're still grading papers, you know. So long story short, um, I just had to take some time off. Even though I was very career driven, I obviously wanted to focus on the health of my children and supporting them in the best way I could. Life kept throwing curveballs. Um, my daughter, who was eight at the time, went into acute liver failure. So just when I think I, I thought I had things kind of figured out and we were maintaining their health, it was just the biggest curveball ever. And um and I'm sure we'll talk about that a little more, but to fast forward to how I got to this career, this business is on the other side of her recovery, I still, I felt a little lost as a caregiver because now I was like knee deep or, you know, head deep, shoulder deep in caregiving and all of my own aspirations kind of got put on hold for quite a while. And so I wanted to figure out how I could do it both. And I was tired of my own yucky stories of, I can't do this. There's no time and all of that um, that a lot of moms can probably relate to. Um, and so slowly it evolved and I was introduced to coaching and I was like, oh, this, this fires me up. And it allowed me to not only be my own first client, but my passion is to help other moms um, and caregivers in similar situations. That's absolutely beautiful. And of course, resonated with me personally, <laughs> uh, for sure. Uh, my background is in education as well. And uh, when my son's medical stuff, my oldest son's medical stuff started coming up, um, it was a four and a half year journey for us to figure out the depth and breadth of his challenges. He has um, physical challenges, intellectual challenges, um, all kinds of medical challenges. There's all kinds of things there for him. And you're right. It, it it can completely take over your life. Um, and like you, I had to take a step back from education um, to, to really get a handle on what was going on for him. And yeah, I feel you. Uh, it is so easy as a caregiver, as a, as a mom, I think in general, for us to get lost in our children. And that's like just children. When your children have multiple needs and you're in and out of specialist offices and you're having to be the keeper of words you've never heard before because mm -hmm. you need to share them from one specialist to another. And you're like, I don't even know if I could write that down. How do you spell that? Right. right? When you're suddenly finding yourself being the keeper of all this, having to keep track of multiple different things, in your case for multiple children, there's no space for you. Like there really isn't. And it's so easy. Uh, you gestured like you were underwater um, <laughs> when you were speaking and talking about being up to your neck. Well, yeah, I feel that. Like it can really feel like you're swimming in an ocean out there all by yourself where it is so deep. You'll, you think you'll never find the bottom of it, but you also feel like you'll never find the surface or be able to stay there for very long. So I get all that um, at a very personal level I feel you and then that feeling of to do what I want means I have to choose between between me and my children how on earth do I make that choice and how can I make that choice you know I brought these children into the world in my case I adopted them into my family I chose them I stood before a judge and said I promise to take care of these people how on earth do I do what it is that I feel called to do beside them? How do I have a life outside of them? How do I 
figure out how to have time in a 24-hour cycle to be able to do that and take care of them, be the mom that I really want to be. And I want to I want to get into some of that with you yes. because those are the questions you were striving to answer for yourself and then you're now helping to answer for others. So let's let's dig into that. How what would you advise somebody if they're feeling like everything you and I just talked about completely relates to them. They're I resonate with this. This is my life. Help. What would you suggest? So something you just touched on um, a minute ago made me dig through my journal to find this quote to share. Um, you know, a lot of times as a mom, you feel mom guilt for a lot of reasons. Um, and for me, and probably you can relate to this, wanting to start a business while you're also a parent and in our case, a caregiver can make you feel guilty. Like, like, why should I pursue my own things when I need to care for my children? And, um, and I'm, I'm someone who loves to be giving and caring and I volunteer and like, that's in my nature to be of service. But I realized that, you know, in the beginning when my daughter was in recovery, I was in survival mode. So what resonated at that time was the whole oxygen mask um, analogy or metaphor, you know, put your own mask on first, like they tell you in the airplane so that you can, before you help others. And so that helped me for a couple of years. But I have a new quote that totally resonates with me in a deep way that that makes me feel really good about my choices um, to care for myself or to start a business or to pursue my own dreams. And um, a coach of mine shared this with me, and I've been sharing it everywhere because it just is so beautiful. So she said, tend to your own garden first so that you have more harvest to share with others. Ooh, and that's, that is beautiful. It, I mean, I get goosebumps just every time I say it because that is that sums up exactly like what I'm after in life. You know, like pursuing my own dreams and my own vision and my own goals, like is going to help me support and share all of this with my family, my spouse, my community, my clients. And it just feels so abundant. Think about it as a garden. Um, and it's taken me from survival mode to this new phase of like thriving, um, which is really exciting for me because it took me a long time to get here. <laughs> yeah. So. so let's dig into the mindset piece there of what you mm -hmm. said. That quote is absolutely inspiring. And I think I'm going to need to write that down afterwards so that I can yes. put that somewhere for myself. Um, when you're in survival mode and we all kind of know what that is, that's for many people was COVID. How on earth are we going to survive uh, being home, being with my children 24 hours a day, not maybe not working, trying to figure out how to work from home with your children. Like mm -hmm. there was, there's a lot of surviving there and survival is not an abundant mindset. Mm -hmm. It is what do I need to do right now to get through right now? It's a very limiting thing and it can it's insidious. It can become the way you do everything very quickly. So that's very different than an abundant mindset. Could you talk a little bit about that and what, what that journey was like for you moving from survival into abundance? Yes. I think there's value to survival mode. Obviously, when you feel like you're drowning for whatever reason, you need to survive first, right? Before you can thrive. So, um, but as you just said, like, it's not a place that you want to stay forever. Um, it doesn't feel good. It's just like getting from one day to the next or one minute to the next minute. And sometimes that's all you can do um, in the beginning of whatever journey you're on. But for me, what I realized, so my daughter went into acute liver failure and all of her organs failed after that. And she was on life support for um, four weeks in the hospital for 74 days and in recovery for three and a half years. And I still get goosebumps as I say that. I just need to oh. pause right there because if somebody has never lived that, you just said that with such calm. <laughs> I'm not sure that I could have said that with such calm. You know, 
to be truthful, when your child is in the hospital, you live at the hospital. If people didn't know that, you actually have to pack up and move into a hospital. And unlike your child, lots of times you don't even have a bed. It could be a couch or a pullout that's really uncomfortable. You've got people coming into the room all night long, uh, waking you up. Sometimes they want to speak to you. They they try. I mean, they're hospital staff. They have jobs to do, right? But nevertheless, you're you are if you weren't sleep deprived before you went in there, you're sleep deprived while you're in there. And then all day long, there are visits with doctors and you have to go to this clinic or that clinic, or you need to speak with this professional or somebody else is coming in. They don't feed you as a parent. You have to make sure your own food is delivered. There's a lot going on there. So if people were like, oh, okay, somebody was in the hospital. It's not the same as when Grandpa Joe is in the hospital and you go to visit for two hours. This is literally a 24-hour job for the entire time you were there with none of the creature comforts of home, maybe a pillow or a blanket if you thought enough to bring it or somebody could bring you one. And you are almost completely on your own, trying to sort through your own worries and fears about all this. And then you you go into the, the care afterwards, so in the hospital for that long, and now you come home and you have to renegotiate life. It isn't just we're home from the hospital, ta-da! We're back to normal. Like we have got a whole lot of new things that we need to renegotiate for that child, for you, for your entire family. Mm -hmm. So I want to just make sure that we're setting the table here for why you were in survival mode. The recovery period later, you've probably settled into a few things and maybe not so much in survival mode, but I just wanted to make sure that, that our audience had a clear view of you glossed over it, but I know from experience that it was not that easy. And you mentioned goosebumps, but I, there's an awful lot more, a lot of blood, sweat, and tears quite literally into all that. So setting that table for survival mode, carry on. Yes. So survival was necessary, um, mm-hmm. as you described. But the biggest lesson I learned through that experience, which felt very traumatic. And for a long time, I felt like, why us? Why her? This isn't fair. You know, a lot of us feel that way when these things happen, of course. But I realized that wasn't serving me long term. To live in that space, I was never going to live the life I wanted to live. She was never going to live the life that I wanted her to have. So, um, I don't know what the switch was. There was just a switch that at the tipping point that I was like, no, the lesson I can take from all of this is that life is precious. So very precious. Like they told us our daughter was a miracle in hindsight when she was leaving the PICU, the pediatric ICU, the nurses who became our family. Um, like you said, I'm sleeping in the room with a one-on-one nurse who was with my daughter 24-7. I mean, they had shift, but I got to know them so well, and they confided in me at the end. She shouldn't have made it. She should not have made it. Um, And so what I took from that was like, this is a gift. Not that I would want this to happen to anyone or to go through it again myself, but what can I take from this so that it's not a complete whatever? <laughs> like disaster is like, this is a gift. And I, at that point, realized that I wanted to make the most of our life, no matter what it looks like. And when she came home, she was on oxygen 24-7 for three and a half years. She was on a feeding tube. Well, she had a feeding tube before this experience, but it got worse (laughs) after. Um, She was in a wheelchair, you know, like she was on a heart rate monitor. She was on a pulse ox monitor. She was on so much stuff. But over time, she's recovered, and she's now on a swim team, and she's doing things that 13-year-old kids do. And I just wanted our family and her and myself to, like, cherish every moment going forward because we saw how quickly things can change. In the middle of a play date, she got sick. One minute we were fine, and the next minute life just flipped. So that's, 
I don't know what your original question was. I'm sorry, but that was my biggest takeaway and how my mindset shifted. Um, and slowly, it didn't happen overnight, but slowly I was able to start leaning into being grateful for what we were given and starting to look at things more, um, more abundantly of like all that there is that did go right. So just wow with all that. Um, our audience can't see, but I have tears. This is very profound uh, because I can relate to this on a very personal level. But to go through all that, all that description, to hear that your child wasn't supposed to make it, that that's that medical professionals are saying it's some kind of miracle, is, I think, a really good place to start looking at instead of saying, why us? from a negative perspective to Mm -hmm. say, why us from an abundant one? What are we meant to do with this? How can we learn and grow? And that's an abundance mindset. So switching from that very traumatic experience in your life, you decided to take that and look around the world and say, okay, what can I do with this? And this has led you to create your Time to Thrive program and to become a life coach. Can you talk a little bit about those and what they are? Yes, I would love to. Um, From this experience um, of, like I said, helping myself get to this place and taking back and empowering myself to live a fulfilling life that is still full of challenges. I still have three children with multiple medical needs. But um, I just wanted to empower others who might be feeling stuck, you know, um, just unmotivated and want more for their life. And sometimes when you're in that survival mode, it doesn't feel possible. And I totally relate to that and I totally get it. And I want to help other moms, other caregivers know that there is a way towards more. Um, more fulfillment, more purpose, more impact, more joy, and that their dreams don't have to be over because I thought mine were. I thought my careers were over, um, that I just was going to have to be a full-time caregiver. And now in my program that I've created, I help women do both. Like we can be a present mom and also fulfill our own aspirations and create our own goals and dreams and and create a real plan for them in a sustainable way. So I also like a lot of people comment about how calm I am about things. And it that also didn't happen overnight. <laughs> mm-hmm. Um but I just feel more centered and peaceful about things. And I realize how much choice I have for how I react to these challenging circumstances. And that's the gift that I want to give to others Um, so that, I mean, we all know life is going to keep throwing us curveballs and there's still going to be devastating experiences. Um, But my hope for everyone through my coaching and through the program is that they can learn the tools to come out on the other side empowered and to, you know, still live a life that they find joy in. Wow. And yes, Rebecca is almost always this calm. Every time I've spoken to her, she is this calm, um, which I aspire to be this calm. Thank you for being a part of the Living Your Legacy podcast community in 2022. We can honestly say 2023 is going to be an exciting year. We've got some new things going on that we'd like to share with you. The Living Your Legacy podcast is now offering advertising spots. We found many entrepreneurs spent lots of money on advertising last year, only to find that they weren't falling in front of their ideal audience. We'd love to help you get your message out. Let's discuss this. Click the link in the show notes to book a time to chat and see if this could be a good fit for you. So Rebecca, Walk us through, because I'm sure people are super curious about this. Um, what does it look like for you now? Like, what's kind of an average day look like? You are building your business and parenting your three children. They're still fairly young. 
what what would that look like? Because I'm sure there's people out there like, how? How does she do this? So let's answer that question. It's interesting because this part of my business um, took off or I focused on it more during the pandemic. So I did, like you mentioned, have three children at home doing remote learning at my kitchen table, four of us with computers, running my business and supporting them um, as a parent and a teacher. And so it wasn't easy, (laughs) but that's where I learned how to get very intentional with my time because time was not something that was abundant. (laughs) I mean, we all have the same amount of time, but obviously, you know, task shifting and multitasking and all of those things. So um, I'm happy to say now everyone's back in school and I have a chunk of time in my day where they're at school where I can focus on my business. But the biggest tip for any person who wants to start a business on limited time is to just be very intentional with what you want to create. Um, and that's what I help my clients do so that we're not doing a hundred things because in reality, only 20, or if we take say 10 things on your list, only two things on your list are going to produce the results that you want. Only two things really matter, in other words. So it's getting clear on what those two things might be out of your 10 and kind of putting the rest aside because you can't do everything. That's something I I try to help my clients understand too. You can't do everything as a spouse, as a parent, as a business owner. It's impossible. So just getting really intentional and clear with your goals so that you can just spend your time on those most important things. I love that. Um, And I will further that comment. So uh, like you, my parents, my kids, my parents, my parents are not in school. My kids are in school. My kids are in school. And that is my work time. Mm-hmm. So I, one of the things that I got clear on very quickly, and again, I'm sure you would second this, is that um, aside from COVID, now that the world has kind of gone back to something like it used to be, um, when my kids are home, I am mom. Mm-hmm. That is that they are my priority. I want to be, you talked about being a present parent. I am intellectually present. I'm spiritually present. I'm emotionally present. Um, I am the mom of boys. They love to talk in the car when I'm not looking at them, which is a weird thing for me as a woman, because we like to look at people when we talk to them. Um, And I've gone for an awful lot of drives I didn't think I was going to or took the slow route home because an interesting and important conversation got sparked. And I was present enough to recognize that this was a moment that my teen, because I'm raising teens, um, needed to share something or needed some advice or in a roundabout way needed advice, but didn't want to ask for it, you know, but wanted it. Um, you know, those kinds of things. My dishes, as of this recording, are not done. They are not done. They will not get done till my children come home because I can multitask that while we chat, Um, right? So this was me getting clear on my laundry is not done. I will be doing laundry this evening because that is not important and significant at this particular moment. It's important and significant because if your kids have no clean clothes, this is a problem and I'm raising stinky boys they need to be have clean clothes for sure. Um, but recognizing those things has, you're right, totally made things that much easier for me that I can choose when I'm going to do things. That's, that was a very big distinction because I used to try to do it all at the same time, hosting meetings while I'm doing the laundry and trying to feed the kids. And I left myself feeling so stretched thin, so stressed about it, feeling like nobody got the best part of me, including me. Everybody was just getting fragmented bits and pieces and it wasn't working. So I love that you said, you know, take, look at your list of 10 things and I love me a good list Um, and pick the top two. What are the two things that are going to move the needle forward in my business in this amount of time that I've got to work on? And maybe it's not two things I get at today. Maybe it's just the one. Mm -hmm. And then tomorrow I pick up on the second one, right? But being super focused on that and clear on that. Right. Um, and I'm sure you would encourage this too. One of the things that I never really give myself enough time to do is think like actually think about my business, think about the direction I want it to go in, think about strategy and structure. Um, and is that something that you can help people with? Cause you know, that's hard to do when life is busy. 
Yes, it is. And again, it's about being intentional to create a time to do that. Um, yes, I talk about that a lot with my clients. Um, I call it creating your vision or tapping back into your vision. If you already know what you want and your vision is just like, what are your goals? What do you want for your life? We all run businesses because we want it to support our lifestyle, right? Ultimately. Um, and so I talk about that a lot because getting clear on your vision and giving yourself time to think about it and to revisit it and to tap into it is super important because things are going to get hard in life and balancing it all. And it helps to be mindful of why are we doing what we're doing? And so I try to do that in simple, easy ways, because again, limited time, we all have a million things to do. So I like to do a morning practice or a morning routine where I journal and it's not like a long 20 minute process for me. It just takes five minutes. But part of that is stating my three top goals or my vision. And it's also, you know, listing things I'm grateful for. And then also working on my beliefs, things I want to believe about myself and my business and things I'm working on. But at the end, I always write my frog. I don't know if you've ever heard the quote. Um, by Mark Twain, I can never get it totally right, but he says something to the effect of, if if the worst thing you have to do is eat a live frog, do it in the morning and you know that'll be the worst thing you do all day, right? So there's a book by the title of Eat My Frog or yeah, Eat That Frog, it's right behind me. And it's a productivity book. And when you think about it in your business, your frog is that most important thing which is often the hardest or the scariest or the one you've been procrastinating on. Um, but it's the most important thing. It's a thing, like you said, it's going to move the needle forward. So I always write, what is my frog of the day? So like you said, even if I just get one thing done because the kids are homesick or something goes off track, um, I'm crystal clear on what that thing is. And that's the one thing I'm going to try to get done um, throughout the day. And it's always easy to align it with my vision and to give myself time to think about it first thing in the morning. For me, some people like to do it at night too, but just find a time where you have a quiet space in your day that you can just give yourself even just five or 10 minutes to do that. You said so many amazing things there, and I want to pull that apart a little bit and dig a little sure. deeper into that. Um, there is such a feeling of success. When you tackle something scary, like you just feel so proud of yourself, so accomplished, right? Right. And so I love that figuring out what your frog is and then getting that thing done first when you're fresh and energetic and then you're, the day is done. I mean, you could literally close up shop then and be like, I'm good. I have right. done what I need to do. This was a big, scary thing. I feel really awesome about the fact that I did this thing. So it could be that email you need to send, or it could be that, you know, prospective client, you really, you know, your dream client, the, what do they call that? A bucket list person. Like they're the one that you would love to have. And you actually reach out and have a conversation um, or start that process. Like whatever the thing is to get that done first. And then all the other things that are on your list can kind of fill in the spaces and they're like the gravy on top of your turkey dinner, right? Like exactly. you got your meat and potato stuff done. That's going to pay the bills. That's going to keep you moving forward. Everything else is just, it's the dessert after your gravy. Like it's amazing. Love that. Um, I love that you suggested that it's picking a time and yours is in the morning. My mornings are completely chaotic that I take my kids to school. Um, I've got one who loves school and like puts pressure on everybody to be out the door an hour before we need to go. And one that would just as soon never go to school and drags his feet all the time. So I've got the push pull of both of them for me to sit down and get a minute to do anything peacefully is not going to happen. Uh, but that was a piece I learned too, renegotiating when that happens and what it looks like. Uh, people have talked about meditating. And if you have time for meditation and it is something that brings you great inner peace and all those other wonderful things, they talk about the morning meditation. That's amazing. There is no way I'm going to get that morning meditation in. Like my kids would be like, what is wrong with you? Why are you sitting there? <laughs> the whole morning would get derailed over that. And 
renegotiating what that's looking like. For me, that is when I sell and I quilt and I donate those quilts because I like to be a service too. And when I'm sitting at my sewing machine and I don't do anything complicated, it is mostly straight line sewing. (laughs) I'll say mostly because sometimes the lines aren't particularly straight, but that is for me, my meditation time. It's quiet time where I can just sort of think and inspiring ideas come up. And at night when I go to bed is when I do my gratitudes. And sometimes my gratitudes on hard days are not, um, you know, easy things. It's I'm grateful for the challenges my son put in front of me today. I am grateful today for being the mom I always wanted to be. It was hard. And I'm grateful that I I did that. Um, or I'm grateful that things in my business went sideways right now because it led me to a better place. I just didn't see it when it was happening. So sometimes they're big, hairy, scary things that I'm grateful for. But that practice of gratitude really does shift how you see things. And I love that you alluded to that and how you do it, because that's a question people are going to have. How does she do this? Because that's a question that I think all special needs moms get. How do you do it? How are you doing that? And of course, you're providing this extraordinary role model for your girls of how to do this, of how to be a parent and be in business for yourself and bring in income for your family and be satisfied with what's going on in your life for you. You're living into your own dreams. And that's such a good gift to give your children. So I love all those things. Now let's talk about doing it all without the overwhelm because overwhelm is, is very real in both areas. You can feel overwhelmed as a parent. You can feel overwhelmed in your business, put the two of them together. And that is one big ball of yuck. So talk to us a little bit about how we can handle that overwhelm. Yes, that's a great question. And it's something that I hear daily from clients and people in my community is the overwhelm. Um, And What I've learned through all of my coaching, like I have my own coach, um, and she started out as my blogging coach, and I realized the lessons she taught about blogging and later as business can apply to all parts of your life. And overwhelm is actually just a thought. You have thoughts, or I said I should say overwhelm is a feeling, but it's caused by the thoughts in your brain. So there can be a person who has 100 things on their to-do list and feels excited by all of the things that they just planned for themselves and their business or their personal life, whatever it may be. And they're not feeling overwhelmed. And there could be another person who has 100 things on their to-do list. But they're getting bogged down by the thoughts that there's too much to do. How am I going to get it done? And that creates the feeling of overwhelm. And so when I realized that, because I thought overwhelm and all of this was outside of my control. And like the fact that I didn't have time, again, was outside of my control. And when I realized that that's not necessarily true, and it takes a while for your mind to shift because it feels like you're going to feel resistance to that. I did too. Um, like, what are you talking about? No, I'm a special needs mom who has a daughter who's doing X, Y, Z. I don't have time and I can prove it to you. <laughs> mm-hmm. um, right. But I realized, again, that wasn't serving me. It wasn't helping me feel better. It wasn't helping me achieve my dreams. None of that. So when I opened up to the idea that that might be true, that overwhelm was a feeling caused by thoughts in my head. I was able to start shifting my thoughts, meaning the sentences my brain is telling me over and over again about all of the stuff on my to-do list, for example, all the things that need to be done at home. Um, And that's what changed my life. I actually, I wake up excited every day. As an architect, I will tell you, I woke up feeling dread Mm -hmm. because of all the things that had to be done and I wasn't living my true passion. But now I still have a million things to do. But I don't feel that way anymore. So, um, and part of that, like I said, was um, in my journaling, I practice beliefs, which are thoughts that you tell yourself over and over again and you believe, right? So some of them were in the beginning were things like, I can do hard things. And I proved it to myself, right? Like we survived my daughter's critical illness. Um, 
I helped her recover, you know, so I'm looking for ways to take those thoughts and then apply them in other areas of my life. So then I took that and I used it to help me in my business. If I can do that, I can certainly do this in my business, right? Going live on Facebook certainly isn't as hard as helping my daughter overcome <laughs> liver failure. <laughs> I'm sorry. That is so comical. Um, it's not funny, but it actually really is but funny because right. that is the stuff we tell ourselves. Like, because, oh my gosh, I might die if I have to do this Facebook yeah. live. But the reality is you were in a life and death situation yes. <laughs> and you survived it. So yeah, you can totally do Facebook lives. Right. It's funny. So I encourage a lot of my clients to think about that really hard thing they did, no matter what it was, and use that in their business. You know, that's evidence that, yeah, you can do hard things. But anyways, the point of all that was to say, like, those are thoughts that I worked on shifting slowly to, um, to help reduce the overwhelm. And now I think thoughts, instead of like, oh, my gosh, I have so much to do tomorrow. I think thoughts, and it sounds cheesy to say this out loud, but I think thoughts like, oh, my gosh, I'm so excited to work on that tomorrow. Because I literally am now, you know, I'm creating a business that I love. And that's super exciting to me because. I love how empowering um, that shift is. Mm -hmm. You know, we can control the voice that's in our heads, folks. Most yeah. of us, unless there's some medical issue, in which case seek medical care and support. But in general, the, the average things you think of, you have a lot of control over that and you can certainly exert control. And one of the things you commented on there was noticing. Mm -hmm. Noticing how you're responding to this. Um, in terms of the thoughts you have, and then shifting the way you think about it instead of, oh my gosh, there's so much. I don't know how I'm going to get this done. Um, to, I am writing out this entire list and then I'm going to divide it up over the week. And mm -hmm. today I get to do these things. And every day I'm going to put my frog on the list, the one thing that's really hard and it's got me feeling nervous. I'm going to get it done first because then it's just done. I don't have to overthink it all day and work myself up into a panic about it. That Facebook Live done first thing in the morning when the makeup's fresh and all the rest of it. Like, I'm, I'm good. And then you can look at the other things. And for me, too, I love that you said that. I also like to, sometimes I go back and add things. So if I happen to have a surprise moment where something else gets done that I hadn't even thought that I needed to do, I add it on the list and check it off. It's like, I did that. It's done. I love that. And that feeling of done, that's one of my favorite words. Done. I'm done. I love that. And it's empowering. It's encouraging. It's optimistic. All those amazing words increase your feelings of feeling empowered and optimistic and encouraged. And then you're willing to try more things and stretch your comfort zone and all that. I love that. And I love how you talked about that. Like, I can do hard things. And here's a hard thing I've done. So this other thing just isn't as hard. It really puts things into perspective. And I think that that's a gift that you have to be able to help people shift what they're thinking, what they say to themselves. So that shifts how they're feeling, which can then shift them from inaction into action. And then having a structure and a plan to help that action formulate to keep moving them forward. Uh, one quote that I love from a gentleman named Ray Higdon, and I'm paraphrasing as well, is um, at the end of the day to ask yourself, did what I do make success inevitable? Did what I do today make my success inevitable? And I love that because so, a lot of the things that create success are intangible. You can't touch them or feel them. Well, you feel them, but you can't touch them. Like it's not... It's not a, I picked up a table and moved it to this different place. It's, I sent 15 emails to prospective clients. Did I get business today? No. Will it lead me somewhere? Yes. And that feeling is so empowering and, and powerful. I love that. Um, so now tell us a little bit. You are now a published author. I'm very excited about that. You have uh, a book written in her own words, Wise Woman Wisdom, and your chapter is entitled Lessons from My Daughter. Tell us a little bit about your chapter and maybe a hint or two about what lessons you learned from your daughter. Yes, great question. I always had a dream 
of being a published author. So that was one of my goals that I wrote in my journal every day. I'm a published author, even though I wasn't. Um, and it took me a while to get there. And that's fine because it's it's all a journey. And I one of my favorite other like quotes or sayings to myself is slow progress is still progress. And I had to kind of recover from my daughter's illness. Um, but I always knew kind of what I'm sharing already here that her story could help others. What we learned through it could help others. And so lessons from my daughter is a chapter about her illness, you know, the the short version and the lessons that I did learn from her. Like I I'm getting goosebumps as I think about it, saying this out loud, but like, she is my biggest teacher. Like she was sent here. I'm hundred percent sure of it to, to change my life and to help me change other people's lives. And she is just an inspiration. She was nicknamed, um, tough cookie in the ICU. Like I said, the nurses just adored her and they thought she was amazing and they named her tough cookie and they made a sign with a cookie on it. And, um, and I just realized that, like, I needed to pay attention to what she was doing. You know, my eight-year-old daughter at the time, she's 13 now. And so that's what I share is just, like, how she, I realized, like, if she can do these amazing things to heal herself, to never feel um, down about any of it, she never complained once. I don't know how it's possible, but it's true. She just always was looking ahead and um, was very grateful for everything she had. And I just took away so much from that experience. And even what she's doing now, like I said, she's gone from wheelchair to competitive swim team. And it's just she's an inspiration to me. And the biggest lesson I think I've already shared, but just to recap, is just that we have this life. That we're given. And I learned that we can all make the most of it, even if, you know, you're in a wheelchair, even if you have, you know, the use of oxygen and all these things that you didn't dream for yourself, um, that you didn't dream for your children. You know, if you're a parent, things don't always go the way you think they are, but we can be empowered to take back that control and make choices that can still bring us joy. And so that's what I shared a bit about and how it evolved into my business. And yeah, I'm hoping it just helps connect to someone somewhere um, and give them the inspiration that they can, they can live out their vision and dreams too. That is inspiring for sure. So where can people find this book if they've heard what you said and they're like, I need that, where can they find it? Um, it is on Amazon. Just search for Written in Her Own Words and you'll find it there. Um, I actually just published a second book this week or last week. Sorry, this is already a new week. But yeah, just another story. Um, you can search my name on Amazon, Rebecca Lara, and you'll find both. But I just feel called to help other moms and other caregivers live up to their own dreams and carry out their own vision. So that's what both are about ultimately. That is extraordinary, as are you. Um, I think it takes, I don't think, I know it takes great courage to be a parent of a child with significant medical issues. Um, I know that it takes great courage to say, I am going to be that mom, but there's more here for me and I will figure out how to make that happen. It takes great courage to go figure it out and make it happen. Yes. It takes even greater courage to say to other people, so here I am, I'm on the path and I'm doing it. Come with me. Let me take you with me. Let me hold your hand and we'll do, we'll figure it out together. And that is what I think you are doing um, in your book, in your books, uh, in your business, in your life. You are truly an inspiration to me and to other people for sure. And I'm sure that uh, as people have listened to this and gotten some great little tidbits of things that they can start trying on their own, there are those who are saying, I need to know her. I need to get connected with her. What is the best way for those people to find you? Great question. Thank you. Um, you can find me on Facebook at Rebecca Laura. Actually, Rebecca Stack Laura is my maiden name. Um, and on Instagram at the Rebecca Laura. 
I have a Facebook group called Thriving Mamas and where I teach people to calm the chaos and simplify their life and business. And I would love for you to join us. I am in that group and I can attest to the fact that (laughs) it is amazing. Um, And calming the chaos is so important because I'm telling you, I too have lived in an awful lot of chaos and trying to be, I described it as the eye of the storm. So every hurricane has an eye and in the middle, it's actually very calm while everything is swirling wildly around you. And the significance for that for me is similar to you in that I've been in and out of hospital with my son and there's, there's lots of other things and I need to be the calm in the chaos for him, for everybody around me so that we can continue to move forward. So I love the title of your group and how you talk about that and all those other wonderful things. And of course, you'll be able to find the link in the show notes. Don't try to write any of this down if you're driving. No distracted driving. We want everybody to arrive alive, safe and sound. Um, Everything will be down in the show notes for you to be able to reach out to Rebecca to find her books. I almost said book singular books uh, to be able to connect with her. If you'd like to have a conversation with her, if you would like to hear more of what she's saying, if you just want that calming voice in your life, join her Facebook group. I highly encourage all those things. She is this extraordinary in person as well as online. So reach out and connect with her. Rebecca, I can't thank you enough for sharing your story. It's very inspiring for sharing how you are truly living into your own legacy while you're helping others figure out how to do the same for themselves. Thank you so much for being on the podcast today. Uh, I am eternally grateful for you. Thank you. It was my pleasure. Does the thought of follow-up give you a foul taste? Do you find yourself wondering how you can ever stand out from the crowd but need it to be easy and convenient? With a system like Send Out Cards, you can stay in touch and top of mind with only a few keystrokes. People's inboxes might be full, but their mailboxes are empty. Reach people literally where they live, work, or play, and watch the warm fuzzies go to work for you. See the show notes for a link where you can send your first card on me. Thank you so much for joining us today. If you enjoyed this episode, please submit a rating and review and share it with a friend. Together, we can inspire more people to start living their legacy too. And let's keep the conversation going. We would love to hear all about your journey in living your legacy and support you along the way. Join our Facebook community, Living Your Legacy Podcast, where we connect, collaborate, and celebrate each other. Can't wait to see you there.